why we're here to just absolutely surrender everything that we are all of our life not not just the hour that we're in this room but especially the time when we're out there in the world and it's pressing against us and it's trying to get us to be different people than the ones you want us to be Lord, we want to surrender that time to you. We want to be the same person in this room and the same person in that world. We want to be that person that stands out, that person that says, yes, I know who I am. I belong to Christ. And he gave up everything. He gave up everything, surrendered his life that I could live, that I could really live and be an impact person in the world for the cause of the kingdom. So, Lord, we're here today. And we surrender this time to you, and we surrender ourselves that you would use us in a mighty way. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You're going to have a seat this morning. And stories of courage, and uh, we're going to be looking at the experience over the next five weeks of uh, Daniel and his uh, friends and gleaning some insights as we look at that on what does that mean for us, obviously, in, in our world today. And that's a real biblical thing to do as we look at these stories of courage from, uh, from Daniel's life in the Old Testament. If you look at uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul reminds us when he looks back on all those saints who have gone before us. Uh, like uh, Daniel, and says, hey, these things happened to them uh, as examples for us. They were written uh, down to warn us uh, who live at the end of the age. So what we're going to do in these weeks is right in line with what God's people have been doing from generation to generation, right? Learning from these folks, applying it into our lives so that we can stand in this day and age for the cause and the purposes of Christ. So don't miss this series. Don't miss the weeks. Just to give you the quick rundown, uh, today we're doing uh, Stand Out. Next week is going to be Stand Up. And how do you stand up for what is right? You know, how you discern what is right and what you stand up for. Uh, then we're going to do Stand Strong. How do, you, how do you be able to do that when it's going to batter against you and stay strong? Uh, stand faith, Stand in faith. Stand faithful. Right? Just relying on grace. And then the last one, uh, is uh, stand in the fire. You can bet what story that's going to be, right? Stand in the fire, uh, be ready to sacrifice, do, it, do whatever God's calling you to do, right? So I think you see by the titles, these are going to be impactful uh, messages. So I want to just encourage you to take a stand right away today and just say, not going to miss one, okay? Not going to miss one and uh, be here for this series. Well, it's about the prophet Daniel, and if you go into the Old Testament, you know the Old Testament has some different sections to it, and some of it is just kind of historical, uh, some of it is poetic, uh, and some of it is about the prophets. Daniel is in that prophetic uh, section. He's one of the major uh, prophets. He's the smallest, not in stature, but in length of book, the smallest uh, of the prophets, and yet his story uh, has a huge impact, uh, huge impact for us. Uh, what happened to Daniel was uh, Daniel 
was a good person of, uh, of Israel, right? But this guy named King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon came into Israel and conquered Israel. So much so that he came into Jerusalem and he absolutely destroyed Jerusalem. Not only did he destroy Jerusalem, he destroyed the temple. He turned the temple into rubble. He even took some of the sacred things from the temple and took them back to Babylon. And like other nations before him, Nebuchadnezzar not only destroyed Jerusalem, not only destroyed the temple, not only took back these significant temple items, but he also took back with him people. That's what they did, right? They'd conquer the land, and then they would take the most skilled and most uh, important people from that land. They would take the skilled and important people, and they would exile them back to their home country. And then the goal of getting them back there was to turn them into being like you, right? So Nebuchadnezzar came to Israel, destroyed it, destroyed the temple, took back the sacred things to Babylon, and with it took back hundreds of thousands of people to, from the best of the best in Israel back to Babylon. Among them was Daniel, right? Among them was Daniel. Now, you need to know, Daniel at this time was probably, we don't know for sure, Bible just says he was a young youth, right? Was probably anywhere from 12 to 15 years old. 12 to 15 years old. His nation is destroyed. His king is deposed. His temple is ruined. He probably lost mom and dad in the whole experience. And now Daniel is in a forced march back to Babylon, and he is now part of this exile. And when they get him to Babylon, they got the best of the best. They look at the best of the best, and they choose the best of the best of the best. And they put them into service in a training program to teach them the Babylonian way. And Daniel is one of those, right? We get it? The king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal families and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. So they went into a three-year training program, and the whole goal of the training program was one thing, to make them good little Babylonians. That's it. To take who they were and destroy who they were and recreate them in the image of Babylon to surround them with as much as they could, as much pressure as they could, as much teaching as they could, as much uh, as they could just get into their lives and turn them into Babylonians. Now, this is why Daniel is a great book for us to look at. Because every single day, when we go out there, outside this room, and we're out there in the world, what is the world trying to do to each one of us? Amen? It's trying to make us look like everybody else in the world. Right? I mean, Scripture reminds us that we live in the world, but we're not of the world. Right? We live there, but we don't look like the world. We don't think like the world. We don't act like the world. Right? And yet we live there. The trouble is the world is always trying to make us look like it. 24-7. 
It's trying to get us to buy into the world's values, to buy into the world's lifestyle, to buy into the world's beliefs, to buy into everything that is the world and give up who we are and what Christ made us when he died for us. It is not too dissimilar, is it, from what the experience of Daniel has been. Now keep in mind, Daniel, this young guy, has been ripped away from his own land. He has been exiled now some 500 miles away. That's as the crow flies, right? Some scholars estimate that the journey that they took was anywhere from uh, 800 to 1,200 miles away from home. He's 12 to 15 years old, lost his nation, lost his family. He lost his temple. He has lost everything. He has now been exiled and drugged through the desert, and now he's in this foreign place, and all they're trying to do is make him look like them. How does he survive it? How do we survive day in and day out and resist becoming like everybody else in the world? How do we stand out? That's the question. How do we stand out? Daniel gives us some great lessons. You ready to go? First of all, Daniel stands out in his character, not in name only. He stands out in his character. Uh, you see it in that what they do right away when they get Daniel and his friends into this training program, right? One of the first things they do is they rename them, right? It says there, Daniel, uh, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azira. Those are the four of the young man, men from Judah. And the chief staff renamed them, and he gave them what kind of names? Babylonian names, right? So now they're going to be known as Babylonians because they have Babylonian names. Now what's really interesting is look at the names. Just look at the names and the meaning of each name, okay? Peruse through that a minute. As you look through what the Babylonians did when they renamed them, do you see a consistent pattern of what they're trying to do? In their Hebrew name, in their Israelite name, their names are always associated to the one true God, correct? In their Hebrew name, they're always associated to their one true God. They are known by their relationship to their one true God. In their Babylonian name, what do the Babylonians try to do? It's not just picking some cool name to call them by, right? They're trying to replace that relationship and rename them according to the Babylonian gods. Saying, no, listen, your relationship with the one true God no longer defines you. No, you're defined by your relationship with our gods. This is the first place that Daniel and his friends stand out. They can be renamed, right? They can be renamed, but they never lose their identity in their character of who they are in God. That's awesome cool, isn't it? That is a great awareness right there. That's worth coming this morning for, right? The world is going to try to get you to think different, act different. At its core, the world is going to try to make you into a different person. And that person, they're trying to get you to relate to the values and beliefs of the world, just what the Babylonians were doing. Daniel, his friends, 
They stood out because they said, listen, you can change my name, but I know who I am, and I know who I belong to. And that doesn't change. You, you can do all the stuff you want. You can change my name and do as much. But I know who I am. I know who I am in God. I know who I am, and that defines who I am and how I am and what I do. I know who I am. I know who I belong to. You see, that's the invitation for us. We know in Christ who we are. And even though the world tries to get us to be something else, like Daniel, we can just stand out in our character and say, no, listen, I know who I am. I know who I belong to. The challenge for us is to understand, so let's see, when your world out there, when your office out there, when the people around you out there, when they look at you, who do they name you? That's a big question. When they look at you, who do they name you? Oh, she's really a gossip, you know. Who do they name you? Well, you can't really believe anything he says. Who do they name you? You see, if you're in Christ, if you understand you belong to him, then how they see you and how they name you is going to be completely different, isn't it? Yeah, don't bother asking him to go drink his lunch because he just doesn't do that. Get the difference? That's how you're named. This is Daniel. Daniel didn't care what his name was. He knew who he was and he knew who he belonged to. And that wasn't going to change. Now, moms and dads, this is an important lesson for you. Ask this question. Daniel is how old? 12 to 15 years old. Can you remember a time in your life when you were more impressionable than when you were in junior high? Can you, can you remember a time in your life when you cared more about how you were perceived and what people named you? Like, hey, he's one of the cool guys. <laughs> and yet Daniel, in that age, he knows already who he is. Where do you get that? Where do you get that? Mom and dad? At home? Growing up? By 12 to 15, he knows exactly who he is and who he belongs to, and he's not going to leave that character. That's really important. Mom and dad, if you don't have your kids back in kids' camp, if you're not making sure your young person is coming to our youth group, you are taking a huge risk. You're taking a huge risk because when they're out there in the world, when they're off to college potentially, and you're not there to hover over them, they're going to make their own decisions. Do they have the character that says, I know who I am, I know who I belong to, and therefore I know how I behave, and I stand out. Daniel knew exactly who he was in his character. Second thing, Daniel was able to know who he was in his character, and that caused him to live a different way. Because he, know who he, he knew who he was in his character, he could live like God was in charge. Even though his whole world was, was now in rubble, right? Even though everything changed for him, right? He's ripped away from his home, 
Jerusalem's in, in rubble, the temple's, everything changes, and yet he lived in a way that says, listen, I know who's in charge, and because I know who's in charge, I have predetermined, predecided how I'm going to live and act. That's what he does. If you look at the text, it says, the king, now in this program, the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. And they were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. So part of the training program to get them into good little Babylonians is to take over their diets. And they get to enjoy the same food as the king. That's pretty dang good. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Let's see. Uh, soup kitchen, king's table. What you going for? I mean, that's pretty extraordinary, right? I get to eat the same food as the man, the king? Holy cow, that's awesome. Um, we're talking filet every night. It's cool stuff, right? What do you do? You're 12 to 15 years old. Everything's been ripped away from you. You know who you belong to in your character, and so you have made some predetermined decisions about your life, even before the situation comes up. Here's the way it is in Daniel. Daniel 1.8. Write this verse down. Find this verse in your Bible. Highlight it yellow, orange, green, whatever color you use. But make sure you get this. You ready? But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. What was the problem with the food and the wine by the king? First, it was unclean by Old Testament standards. And second, it was offered to idols. It was the offering that was given to foreign gods of Babylon. What does Daniel do? Daniel has predetermined in his life he is not going to live in any way that contradicts who he is in his character. He's not going to live in any way, act in any way that contradicts who he is in his character. And so he has predetermined he will not eat unclean food. He has predetermined. He's not going to eat food offered to idols. So when the situation presents itself, what happens? Well, it's already decided. He's not going to be involved in that. It's already there. He's already decided it. See, this is key for us to understand. Daniel knows who he belongs to. He knows who his character is. And because of that character, he is predetermined some things in his life. So that when the challenge comes, when the temptation is there, it's not as hard to get over the temptation because it's a decision already made. Did you follow that? That is so dang cool. That is so godly, right? So he is already determined that he is not going to be the flirt in the office because that's just not who he is. He is already determined that he's not going to do whatever it takes. He's not going to compromise his character just to make the sale. He's predetermined. He understands before the situation, this is who I am, and this is how I'm going to live. Young people, he understands. He's not going to have sex before he gets married. It's predetermined. That's the way it looks like. 
See, Daniel teaches this incredible lesson to us, right? That we need to get our head around and think about, listen, this is who God made us to be. This is our character. This is who we belong to in Christ. And if that's who we are, then what are the predetermined decisions already made over our life? And buy into them. Predetermined. Done deal. I don't have the pressure of that in the moment because it's already decided. Daniel has already decided he is not going to eat the food. It's predetermined. He just understands that's unclean. He's not going to make a witness of eating uh, food from an idol. Predetermined. So what does he do? He stands out. He stands out. And so he goes to the chief of staff and he asks for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now what's really cool is Daniel may not see it. Daniel may not know it. But God is already preparing the ground for Daniel to stand out. You're like, wow, he's an awesome guy. How could he do that, right? Look in the text how many times God has already prepared the way for Daniel to be able to live in accordance with those predetermines, right? Look in the text. Here it is. He asked the chief for permission. Look at verse 9. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. Is God doing something? Right. He's already changing this Babylonian in his attitude towards Daniel. Now, he doesn't give in right away because it says he's totally scared of the king. He's afraid he's going to get beheaded. And so he's just not, he's not ready to say, yeah, okay, you don't have to eat this stuff. So what does Daniel do? He perseveres, right? He perseveres and he goes to the attendant who's right over them. Not the chief of staff, but the attendant who's right over them. And he says, listen, put it to the test. Ten days of a diet of vegetables and water. And at the end of ten days, see how we look, compare us to all the other young men, and then make a decision in light of what you see. And the attendant agrees. Now don't miss what's happening here. God is working with the chief of staff. We saw that, right? Daniel goes to the attendant and trusts God's word because it says in God's word, what? He shouldn't eat unclean foods. It says in God's word, he should not worship other gods, right? And eat that food. And so Daniel steps into it just trusting God's word. While he's trusting God's word, God is preparing the ground for him to stand out. Do you see that? I don't think you do. Let me show you again. <laughs> okay? I don't think you're getting it. I don't, I'm not connecting it. So at the end of 10 days, Daniel and his free, th- free friends, they look healthier and better nourished than all the other men who are eating the king's food. God's word is true, right? So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and the wine provided for the others. He trusted God's word. He stepped into God's word, right? He stood out. God prepared the ground for that. And what's the outcome? Not only is Daniel standing out, but God's word is proved correct. Right? And God's not done working. Look at this. So God gives, right? God gave these four young men unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. What happens when you stand out and say, 
listen, this is who I am in Christ, and you trust God's Word, and you just believe that God is working to prepare the ground while you're doing it, that you can just step into it because God's already preparing the ground, and you just trust His Word. What's the outcome? In Daniel's case, it is this incredible outcome. And Daniel doesn't even see the big picture when he's in it. He just steps into standing out, right? He just steps into standing out. He just trusts God's word. He just trusts God's going to work. He just stands out and steps into it. And look what happens at the end. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one, say no one, good, you're awake. No one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Did you hear the no one? Out of all of the, out of everybody in the program, everybody they've been influencing, right? Everybody they've been turning into good little Babylonians. Who are the ones that ultimately stand out? The ones that stepped and stood out. Did you get that? The ones that stand out are the ones that stand out. <laughs> how cool is that? And how do they stand out? Because they knew who they were. They knew who they were in their relationship with the living God, and they trusted God was at work, and they trusted His Word, and they just stepped into it. And what's the ultimate outcome? This is what's amazing in the story. You ready? Whenever the king consulted in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. You know what this means? Because Daniel and his friends stood out, and re they, they knew who they were. They stepped into it. They trusted God. They trusted his word. They now influence the course of history. Did you get that? They are now, when Nebuchadnezzar is deciding about his kingdom, the direction of his kingdom, the direction of history, who does he call to talk to? They're influencing the literal course of history. They didn't see that. They didn't see that when they were just following a predetermined decision that says, listen, I know who I am. I belong to Christ. I'm going to live for God first. I'm going to trust his word. I'm just going to step into it. I'm going to stand out. And by the time it's all done, they're influencing the course of nations. That is awesome, incredible. Amen? That is awesome, incredible. It's also an incredible challenge, isn't it? Because every day when you're out there, the world is trying to make you look like it. And you've got to make a choice. Am I going to stand out? Am I going to stand out and say, listen, I know who I am in Christ. And I'm predetermined. I am predetermined to live the way Christ wants me to live. I don't care what it, what it takes. I trust God is working. I'm going to trust his word more than anything. And I understand I may not see the big picture, 
but God is at work, and my life is about the cause of Christ. And the big, t- big picture, the big picture for you is not just the possibility of influencing nations and the history of nations, but influencing the eternity of somebody you work with, influencing the eternity of somebody you do business with, influencing the eternity of somebody in your family, influencing the eternity of everybody you run into. Because when you walk away, they say, wow, no one else stands out like that person. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. It, it is awesome. It is so incredible that you, in, in your wisdom, in your discernment, in your love, in your compassion, in your grace, that you are willing to be part of every single day, every single moment, 24-7. It's not just about the hour that we're in this room, but it's about every moment that we're out there in the world under the pressure to just transform, be conformed to the world. Give us such a determination to know who we are in Christ. Give us such a determination to be able to stand out, hold our ground, and let us just be convinced that you're working and your word is true. And while we may not see the whole big picture, we know you've got it in control, that you're in charge and that we just can be faithful to you. So, Father, help us now to learn from Daniel and to take that step and stand out for the cause of Christ. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.